If you would like to earn CPE credit for listening to the show, visit earmarkcpe.com backslash FPA. Download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. If you would like to earn continuing education credit for your FP&A certification from the Association of Finance Professionals for listening to the show, go to the show notes for details on how to earn the credit. Finally, if you enjoy listening to FP&A today, please go to your podcast platform of choice, click the subscribe button, and leave a rating and review of the show. And now, on to the show. From Data Rails, this is FPNA Today. I am your host, Paul Barnes, aka the FPNA Guy, and you are listening to FPNA Today. FPNA Today is brought to you by Data Rails, financial planning and analysis platform for Excel users. Every week, we welcome a leader from the world of financial planning and analysis and discuss some of the biggest stories and challenges in the world of FP&A. We'll provide you with actionable advice about financial planning and analysis. This is going to be your go-to resource for everything FP&A. I'm thrilled to welcome today's guest on the show, Saeed Nadim. Saeed, welcome to the show. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me on this show and pleasure meeting with you. Thanks for joining us. So I think Saeed is our first guest that comes to us from Saudi Arabia. So we're excited to have you with us. And he is working as a head of finance, as a finance director, and he earned his bachelor's degree from uh, Karchai University, and he has also earned his ACMA and CFM certifications. So maybe you could just start by telling our audience a little bit about yourself and your background. Thank you, Paul, for having me on this show again. And uh uh, it's a long story, uh, but I will try to make it short. I started my career from, uh, I did my graduation. I have never wanted to be an accountant because my father has a dream that I will become an accountant. He was uh, injecting me in my brain since I was in grade 10 that you have to go for ACM. So when the time comes, I cleared my graduation, covers graduation and time comes to take admission in CM. And then I asked my father, I'm not interested in CM, I'm interested in IT. So he was uh, quite disappointed at that time, but uh, it happened. I went to the uh, computer science diploma and I started some, uh, you know, at that time, there's a DeBase, Google, Foxbase, old application I'm talking about. It's a long time story. And then what happened, we started Oracle. So I was learning Oracle 5 and I was during my learning Oracle 6 came, Oracle 7 came, Oracle 8 came. So I was just confused. Is there, is this the right, situ- right decision I have taken or not? So I... Qualify my certification of diploma, but I decided to move to finance because of that kind of circumstances that I cannot continue this kind of education where there is no end. So I went to my father again that I want to continue my finance. So he was very happy. Then I took the admission in CMA and then qualified. Uh, after some time, uh, I got married in, in between. And uh, it was a great experience for being a CMA because that is actually the great achievement in my life. And my father was very happy. That's a great story. I appreciate you sharing that. And can you maybe talk about how you've made the switch from where you started to where you're at today, being more finance and FP&A focused? Maybe kind of what interested you in that area? I started my career in 99. You know, that was, FP&A was not actively working on that part. At that time, there is a management accountancy role. So management accountancy role was not like today, we didn't have more of technology there. In, I used to work on Lotus, you know, Lotus 1, 2, 3. I started my career with that kind of spreadsheet. Then my boss told me one day that, Nadim, we are moving to Excel. It was so difficult moving from Lotus 1, 2, 3 to Excel, you know. So windows were coming, 98, 9,000. That was the transformation in my eyes. So I started Excel and learning about Excel. Even then, FPIN role was not there. So when I grow there, and I have a lot of experience, I was working as manager finance. Then I heard about FPN, finance business partnering, you know. So then I explored these parts, and that was quite interesting. Because today we are sitting in 2022, and last 10 years, I have seen a lot of transformation in finance function. I have never seen these kind of changes in the last 20 years, which I have seen in the last 4 to 5 years. And again, if you can see, it's rapidly changing. Every day is a new day for you, if you go to your job. So I think accounting function is going to be automated and FP&A is much attractive for you because you are leading the finance. You're sitting in the front end. You are not in the back office, you know. 
accounting team always sit in the back office and when comes to the credit they are not part of it everything is done by sales marketing supply chain team because they are front office so now fpna has a person ready to work as a front office man you have to be part of that puzzle where team is making a strategy you are presenting something you have the history you have the present you have the future you transform everything into the financial numbers and it will really help for decision make so this is really attractive for me for for being fpna in my profession I can understand what you're saying there, and I agree that we're definitely seeing FP&A be much more front office. You're seeing some other things, you know, automated, as you mentioned. And so it's a really good place to be right now. You know, FP&A has changed a lot over the last few years. It's getting a lot more recognition. You know, the pandemic has accelerated what we're seeing in FP&A. So I can totally understand why, you know, that interest, because it really, you know, if you love seeing the business yeah and being hands on with the business fpna is really good for you if you like you know dealing with numbers being very precise not having to deal with forecasts process procedures then there's accounting roles and areas in there that make sense so i can see what you're talking about there and one more thing i want to tell you uh, about because finance is the only departmental function who has the helicopter view of the company no department has this kind of luxury this is a big luxury and we don't have idea what we have today data data is going to be the biggest asset for the company so you have full control on your custodian of the data so if you being a custodian of the data you can present anything you can see all the performance all the function you can understand how supply chain is going how sales is going how marketing is going you can have very very different visibility of the company 100% agree as i could say it's we get a 360 view we're one of the only organizations only people in the company that really get to see everything and not only do we get to see the business lens of it but we get to see the finance lens so we're in a unique position to bring value across the entire organization very true so i know recently you started offering some one-on-one consultations for finance pre- professionals can you maybe talk about how that came about how did that get started actually i started in five or six months ago i was thinking about this idea that i want to help people because i can see the rapid changes in finance and people are far away from this they are not able to take a decision on time they are planning and planning is planning they are not going into execution phase so i just want to shake their mind call out on meeting with me and because i explore lot of thing in fpna finance business but i know what is happening in finance what is the future of finance so at that time when i was young nobody was there mentoring concept was not there we have teachers we have bosses but they were not guiding us like mentor can you know mentor has no interest with you they are just honest with you because i'm not charging anything it's free of cost so i created the platform i created the flyer and sent to the linkedin profile so some people join one meeting then second second meeting they started commenting on my linkedin post so gradually they started meeting with me and they are finding something valuable they discuss with me because i am just shaking their head i am just giving them the direction what is right what is wrong where do you invest where do you want don't want to invest what do you have and how can you utilize your skills today because you know this is a problem in the candidate they are confused they are very very selective when they are making paying money for any certification because it's a huge value so i am just guiding them what to do and what not to do so what not to do is much important for them because now they will take a decision so i created the flyer sent to the social media on linkedin people start connecting with me i created the my slot timing i give them 30 minutes on a daily basis uh, now after some time one month two months people are connecting with me without any advertisement any marketing so last 3 4 months i have met with around more than 100 professionals from different parts of the world including dubai america australia Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, India. A lot of people are joining me, and they are really appreciating my effort because I'm not charging anything. It's very free, of course. So I'm very honest with them. I'm giving time to them on a daily basis. I have my slot on the weekends. I'm working days. So if they have some time zone difference, they can manage the timing with me. They can adjust time. So I'm just talking about finance, FP&A, finance business partnering, interview skills, career advancement. So this is really a need of this market, and uh, it's going very successful, and. Uh, So far, it's going to continue, and I'm I'm very excited on this journey so far. Great, thank you for sharing that. I think that's a wonderful thing you do, and we'll make sure to, you know, mention your contact information in the show notes. I think doing that 
you know, at this point for free for people is really nice of you. What would you say is maybe your favorite part of doing it? What do you like most about, you know, talking to all these different people all over the world? See, what I have seen in the people in my uh, discussion, they don't have the cake. Let me explain this analogy. We have a plain cake and there is a topping on this, you know. Sometimes people has, topping means your skills, your achievement, your experience, that's it. And I can refer cake as your professional certification, which is, can be CFA, CMA, CPA. Sometimes they have, they are plain cake and sometimes they have topics, right? So very few people I found that they have full cake. Because if you are selling your skills only, you will not get that price. And if you are selling only certification without the skills, you will not get that price. If you go to bakery and find the cake, you will not find the good price of these things. When you buy cake, cake always has expensive price. It means it's full of toppings. You know, so what I'm meeting with the people, they are not taking care of the topping. They are just taking care of the certification. So they think that we have invested and the, the, the bad part, they are again taking another certification. I don't know why they are doing it. Once they have done CPA, why they are going for CMA and CPA? Why? Because once you invest 100%, you get 100% knowledge. But if you go to again 100% investment, you will not get 100% knowledge, maybe 10%. So why are you investing this money to certification? Why don't you invest your communication skills, presentation skills, your FPNA skills, your lot of skills, go to BI, RPA. There are a lot of things are complementing all these things. So I'm just trying to guide them. Please reinvest your money into the right area. You already have certified financial professionals. You don't need anything else. So these kind of discussion I'm discussing are really, really benefiting people and giving them some direction what to invest, what not to invest. That is really important for people to understand, you know, what role certifications play. You know, funny enough, uh, Wasia posted on uh, LinkedIn this week about certifications. And I, you know, I followed up and kind of said, you know, do you need them? And I said, no, you don't need them. Can they be helpful? Can they open doors for certain roles? May they be required? Yes. But, you know, it really comes about being well-rounded, right? A certification can be really helpful. But just continuing to add certification after certification, as you mentioned, there's a big uh, drop-off. There's a big, uh, you know, erosion in your ROI. It's about having the experience and the right skill set. And that's more important, you know, above all. Like I never did a CPA. I never did any kind of accountant certification. I did an MBA in finance and then, you know, went to work. So I can, you know, say that you can be successful many different ways. And it's about figuring out what's the right approach and where you should spend your time. Not just, hey, if I get enough pieces of paper, I can then get the jobs I want. Because rarely does that work the way you think it's going to work. What I can mention, this is the market actually. Unfortunately, when you apply for a job, the certification is the first criteria they will shortlist you, unfortunately. So uh, it's like a key, you know, when you open the door and you have a key back of the door, you will, you don't see it even. So unfortunately, key has some kind of value. You cannot open the door. And if you go into the house, it's a game of skills and achievement, you know. It's, it's about your soft skills, your communication skills. About this, this is game, different game. But unfortunately, in our society, in our market, certification has some importance. You cannot open the door because your HR team is hiring you because of some criteria. Because they are not finance expert. They are given some kind of criteria. Please go and check this candidate. They check qualification. They check experience. They check industry experience. So this is unfortunately the part of that criteria. And LinkedIn has different search criteria. You will not part of that criteria if you will not fulfill the requirements. So it's unfortunately you have to do it. And I think it depends on market. Like I said, you know, in the U.S., you don't need a CPA for most FP&A jobs. I think in some markets, they want to see that. So I think, you know, the certification depends because you are right. I've had a few roles, but I'd say very few where they've said, look, to do FP&A, we want someone with a CPA. That's been very rare. As long as I had an MBA, you know, I have a finance specialization, I was good to go. So I agree. There are definitely screening criteria and I think they do vary by region and location. And you have to understand for your market, what's the key to the door? And then how do you develop from there? And that's going to be a little different, I would imagine, for you know the Middle East, maybe a little different in India than it is in Europe, than it is in the US, right? Every country and every company, frankly, not just country, but company can have some different requirements. Exactly. You know, we are very specific on candidate hiring. They are very specific. 
if you go back to 15 years ago, they're just looking accountant. You know, that's the only definition of finance, accountant. Yeah. Today, we have multiple type of accountants. People account, receivable accountant, reconciliation accountant, customer accountant, supplier accountant, you know. Yep. So, companies are very specific. That's why people are having some problem in getting the job because they don't have that kind of particular criteria that company is looking for. So, candidate is enough, but there are certain criteria of different companies you're right here. Agree. So, you know, I want to move to the next question here. And I think you've answered some of this in your earlier questions, but I'll go ahead and ask it. So, you know, somebody comes to you, they're asking for advice. Let's assume they've done a certification. You know, they have a base level qualification and they're struggling to gain traction in their career. How do you advise them? Now, what's the typical kind of advice you'd give? See, I have seen in my career this kind of issues. I have uh, qualified my CMA in very early days, but even then I was not succeeding in my life. I have a lot of uh, things that stopping me to move forward. So the only thing I found in myself is the soft skills, right? So you have all the knowledge, you have all the understanding of finance, supply chain, HR, how they work, how they integrate together. You sometimes you implement ERP system multiple times in different companies. You understand all the businesses, you know. The only thing, how do you want to sell yourself? You are a salesperson. If company is selling product like shampoo, soap, mobile, you also have the product. You should know how to sell it. My product is my experience, my knowledge, my skills. I want to sell it. So I recommend people to focus on the communication skills, presentation skills, selling skills. Because when you're going into the interviews, you are not going into any interrogation, you know. You're going into the communication session. You are equally responsible for your success and failure. And company is looking for you something. So you have full right to reject the company and company has full right to reject you. So you are on the balance side. So where is the fear? So make yourself ready for the good communication. Seal yourself and your job is done. Rest is God is taking care of everything. Great point. If you focus on the communication, focus on presenting yourself well, then you've controlled what you can control. You know, you can't control who the other candidates are and you can't control what the hiring manager thinks. It's out of your control. Good advice. I am a big believer that, you know, anything we do to improve our soft skills and continue to grow and, you know, communication, influencing, storytelling, leadership, all those things will pay dividends. They're really important, especially the further you get along in your career. Technical skills get you started, but they're not what gets you to management. Even Paul, you cannot sell your good experience if you don't have good communication skills sometimes. And sometimes if you have good communication skills, you can seal your bad experience in a good way. 100% agree. People that are really good at communicating can sell even a bad experience and, you know, as a positive because they're able to communicate the benefits and the things they've learned from it. So, you know, I'm a big believer that you can't spend enough time on communication. There's always more we can do there. I have built my last post. Recently, I posted on LinkedIn about how you can build your presentations. How can you improve at finance people? So I recommend them to start some kind of trainings. You know, training is the best tool to improve your soft skills. When you're facing audience, maybe you don't have opportunity to create content. You can go for free of cost. Just bring four or five people within your company, talk to your HR, bring in front of you and do some presentation. Present about finance for non-finance. There are a lot of topics in finance department. They will be excited and you will have opportunity. So make a lot of mistakes and ask the feedback and then conduct this training again. So after five training, I'm telling you, first can be worst, then it can be good, then can be best, then can be excellent. So it's a phasing. So if you can do this, it's a great opportunity to work on your communication. You will improve your communication, presentation, your respect, your negotiation, your leadership, team management, a lot of skills will develop together. Great point that there's so many different ways you can practice, you know, getting the team together. And communication comes down to practice, practice, and more practice. And you need to make sure you understand, you know, what makes good communication so that you're you're practicing the right behaviors. So that's, you know, great point there. I mean, there's so many opportunities. I'm a big fan. I did Toastmasters for years, right? That's a great, great organization. I have been part of Toastmasters and I learned a lot from this platform, right? 
Yeah. So that's one I encourage people. I'm with you. Anything you can do to improve your communication skills will pay off. It's an investment that's always worth it. So I'm going to change gears here a little bit and ask a different question. So, you know, obviously you talked a little bit about this earlier. The last five years, you've seen a lot of change in, you know, FP&A. So in finance, how do you see it changing over the next few years? How do you see, you know, technology continuing to play a role in finance and FP&A? Technology is taking over everything. If you have seen last four to five years technology, this four to five years will become one year, maybe two years maximum. So things are changing rapidly. So we have to understand the market. We have to align with the technology. And if you are not aligned day by day, you are going far away from that opportunities. So crisis can be the opportunity. Today, people are seeing this environment as a crisis. There are some people they are seeing as an opportunity. I see as an opportunity, right? So you have to reinvest with yourself. You have to redesign your career strategy. It's not like you have done ACMAs enough. No, everything has expiry date. Now it's time coming. You have to reinvest on few things. FPNA has a lot of new ideas. Even FPNA is far away from the reporting. Reporting is part of it, but it's more advanced than reporting. So try to be part of FPNA part. Try to understand what is happening with the RPA. RPA is taking over a lot of functions, repetitive functions. Go to business intelligence, learn about our BI tableau, what they are, how they are working. Try to understand data analytics because tomorrow, uh, you know, your company has to provide live information. Your investor, your management doesn't have time to wait for three months quarterly reporting, six months reporting because things are rapidly changing. The volume of data was not before. Like today, billions of rows you cannot download in Excel. You have to understand advanced ERP systems, you know. So things are changing. If you are not part of it, they, you will be far away from it. Either you are being disrupted or you are, you can be disrupted. So you have to select carefully who you are. So I am trying to disrupt everything from my skills, from my new skills. I'm trying to unlearn things and relearn things every day. So every day can be the new day for you. So this is, uh, I'm seeing very excited. And I can see very, very exciting career in finance. That was not before. And uh, this is the only department. It's very exciting, I can tell you. And uh, you should be excited. Believe me, you should be excited. And a lot of new things are coming. I can completely agree. A lot of new things are coming. I talked to a lot of different companies and just excited to see where technology is heading. You know, RPA, AI, machine learning, you know, all of it. Like you mentioned, there's times when you got to deal with billions of records. And knowing how to deal with that, BI tools and presenting data. Now, sometimes it can be a little overwhelming. And so I like to remind people, yes, it's important to understand the technology, to be able to speak the language and to use it to your advantage. But just remember, you don't have to learn every new tool that comes along and spend all your time on the technical. Again, just like with certification, there's a baseline you need to understand. And then there's a point where there's diminishing returns, unless that's really what you want to do. Do you want to be known as the BI specialist or do you want to be known as the implementation guy? Then by all means, go deep. But if you're really looking to get the leadership and you want a broad experience, you know, it's important to, like you said, use it to your advantage, but keep yourself well-rounded, which can sometimes be a challenge. What do you think about that? Here is very thin line. You know, you have to understand this thin line. You don't need to cross it. Because you are a finance professional, you have 15 years, 20 years experience. This is your life. You have given to this profession. You cannot move to language, Python language. Suddenly, it's a new world. You cannot move as a developer in Power BI. But you need to understand these things strategically. If you are sitting in a board meeting and your IT is deciding something, you should speak something about it. Right? You should challenge something. If you are going for Oracle, why not SAP? If you are going for Power BI, why not Tableau? So these kind of understanding, you should have what tool is doing what. So I'm not asking finance profession, leave your profession, go to the development side. RPA is a different profession. Yes, and not work as RPA developer, but you have to work with RPA developer. You know, this is the change. Agree. You have to be able to speak the technical language. We're not asking you to be to do a technical job. I think that's a really good point. You know, there are a few people that will be data scientists that will do that. But for the vast majority of it, we just need to be able to speak strategically and intelligently about the tools and understand the baseline of how we need to use them to be more productive. We have to understand our limitation and don't cross it. Otherwise, you will lose yourself. So, yeah, no, I agree. It is definitely a thin line. And, you know, everybody has to decide where they want to be. But, 
you got to at least be able to speak the language and understand how to use it at a minimum for sure. If you would like to earn CPE credit for listening to the show, visit earmarkcpe.com backslash FPA. Download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. If you would like to earn continuing education credit for your FP&A certification from the Association of Finance Professionals for listening to the show, go to the show notes for details on how to earn the credit. Finally, if you enjoy listening to FP&A today, please go to your podcast platform of choice, click the subscribe button, and leave a rating and review of the show. And now, on to the show. So next question here, I know you've worked quite a bit with senior leadership, the CEO, and you know some of the C-level leaders in different roles. So what advice would you offer to FP&A professionals when interacting with senior leadership? Let me share my experience with his this part, because what happened actually, we have to be aligned ourselves with the direction of the CEO. Sometimes CEO wants to go to right, and we are going left. So most of the professional are facing these kind of difficulties and they say we are not aligned with the strategy of the company. So we have to see the bigger picture of the company. When you're sitting in the board meeting, you should be the observer there. What's going on? What is the language? What they are trying to do? What they are trying to achieve, right? So if you have this kind of understanding of business, in the next meeting, you will bring reports and analysis based on the discussion happened in last meeting. So you will be aligned with that. This is the part. If you are listening from your board member, they want to increase their sales bring the report that will help them to increase the sales, right? So you have to bring your different kind of analysis, right? Region sales, customer sales, what is my new customer, what is, what is happening with my old customers, what is happening with my organic growth, what is happening non-organic growth, each kind of analysis you have to create. So you have to be an observer in the meeting. Obviously, you're not part of discussion in the active way, but you should help them to execute the strategy. And you have the only person, as I said before, that you have the data custodian. So you can be the best presenter to help them. So try to listen the meeting conversation. Try to understand the message of the meeting, what's going on, and try to have one-on-one meeting with your CEO sometime. You know, ask, look the opportunity when you have the discussion with the leadership. Sometimes you will find leaders in the lift. Sometimes you will find leaders in the parking area. Don't lose this opportunity. Try to bring something valuable with them. Try to discuss about the business. They will be you should be passionate about the business and understanding of the business. They will see in you something, maybe they will be bring you in that kind of meeting as well. So if you're a junior, you have to have different strategy. If you're a senior, you should have different strategy. So it's depending on the position you have. So not everybody has a chance to see in the board meeting, but if you have a chance, don't miss it. Go there. Try to attend this kind of meeting. Sometimes you don't take serious on these meetings. Make a note what kind of discussion is going on. Try to help, offer help, free of cost. Present the report. I have some idea. I can present you some reports. Is this good for you? Maybe they will ask you, please give me this report every month. So that can be changed for you. So try to be part of those meetings, business meeting, one-on-one meeting, and discuss with them about the business. So if you understand the business, you will understand the strategy of the business and direction of the business. Then you will have full alignment with the CEO sometime. I like the part you said, you know, try to attend the meetings and learn if you can, you know, if you can attend them because they're really good opportunities for people to understand and, you know, focus on being aligned, bring the data they need, all good points and good advice there. I appreciate that. So you know, another question I have, you, uh, on your, when I reviewed your resume, it had showed that you had led a couple rounds of VC funding during your career. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? What was that like? You know, how did you prepare for that? It was an exciting opportunity, Paul. I joined startup company. It was a B2B startup. The idea was to connect suppliers and the customer through these applications. So what is happening? We created the application where we are bringing different kinds of products because our target was restaurants. So restaurants has a lot of products we are bringing on the application. We are just taking part of the value chain because it's a big value chain. We are just connecting suppliers and the buyer from this applications. So a customer is registering themselves to the application and they are they are finding a lot of products from the suppliers and we have different agreements with the supplier where they are keeping their product to the applications. So what happened? Obviously, every startup needs some investment. There is some bootstrapping which is done by the co-founders and when you want to run this company regarding working capital, the reinvestment, your marketing strategy, you cannot do it by your own money. We need money. So I have a chance to work with the VC round, first round, which is, you can call it preceding round with the investors. 
and there is a very good investor uh, invested the money. We pitched the idea of the company. We have presented the whole process of the company. Uh, what is our idea? Because we were we are trying to help customers because there are a lot of problems in the restaurant industry because they are dealing with multiple suppliers, multiple paper rounds. So this application will give them the one point where they can buy anything they want with the one payment terms. So this was the idea and investor was very much excited on this. We have uh, touched many investors in Saudi Arabia and they were very excited and I was very fortunate to be part of that kind of process and this is the real time, my lifetime achievement that I can say because when you go into the big companies, you will not see this kind of process. When you go to startup, you will face these kind of issues. So this was the opportunity I got. I worked for a few months, nine to ten months in that company, and there's a really good learning from this. Yeah. So what advice would you offer to somebody else who's preparing for a funding round? Like maybe what were the top lessons you learned from that experience? See, every new startup should have the potential. Because what investor is looking in the company, because company has is making loss. There is no profit. Maybe you will not see profit in two, three years. So why are investing in the lost company? This is the point we need to understand. So investors always see the potential. If you have, your company has a full potential, they can see, they can flourish in the market. You are helping customers. You are disrupting something. They will definitely invest. Because initial round is very important. Because whoever comes to the initial round, they will take benefit after second round. Because, you know, the market price will go up. Every round is different. So the early round is very important and you have to make hard. If you can successfully take some initial investors, good names, your next round investing will be easy for them because you have the big name on your board. So this is the learning. You have to create the potential. First round is difficult always because you have to show your potential. Who is the investor? Who is the co-founder? What is the qualification experience of co-founder? This is much important than the company because they are trusting these companies. They are investing on their behalf. So the trust should be sustainable. You know, there are a lot of companies, they are going out from the company and they are not sustainable. But if this company is sustainable, investors will come and invest in this. Great point about one, I think you mentioned, you know, being sustainable, but that they invest in the leader, right? Not necessarily the company, but a lot of it has to do with, do they believe that the right person is leading this company? And do they think he can be successful? Because, you know, ideas are a dime a dozen. Right, everybody can have an idea, but they need to believe the team can execute on it, and that the market's there for you know the high growth that they want to see. Because as you mentioned, you know in every one of these cases, the companies aren't making money. You're investing in something that's losing money, so you're investing with the idea that in the future they can make a lot of money, and so you can get a big return. Everybody has a belief: this technology is the future. Yep, actually, this belief less potential, less leadership. These three things push investor to invest here. You know, so everybody believes that technology is the future. If you are bringing some startup with alignment with the technology, they are excited because they can see because they, people have a lot of money, I'm telling you. They are looking for opportunities. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So if you have a good startup opportunity, you have good idea, you will find a lot of investors, they will come with you in their journey. I agree that, you know, there's plenty of money out there to be had for the right team, the right idea, as you mentioned, you know, believe potential leadership. They're looking for those things. And if you have those three, you'll find somebody that will invest in you. Obviously, is everybody going to? Of course not, because everybody has a different opinion on who they believe in, what they see in leadership, what they think of a potential, right? I might look at one idea and say, yeah, no thanks. And you might look at it and go, yeah, let me invest. That's just, you know, difference of opinion. And you're going to get a lot of that. But at the same time, like you mentioned, if you get the big names in the early round, it makes it a lot easier. So I think, you know, as I listen to that from a finance perspective, it's really just helping the leadership team, I would think, to polish things and make sure that the assumptions you know, around any numbers are realistic, that you can support them, you know, just to help give the investors that confidence that there's somebody there to help guide that side of things. I think one of the big things finance needs to do is just, one, help present the financials, help make sure any budget or forecast assumptions are realistic to help give confidence, you know, as the investors are looking at it, that there's somebody there helping maintain, you know, realism among all the optimism. Because, right, we've all seen it sometimes where 
the founder is like, we're going to be Microsoft in five years. You might want to slow that down just a little bit, right? You know, you kind of bring that balance. Do you think that's true? That's kind of the role finance plays in that process? One thing I will tell you, when any company starts as a startup, the first person hire is an accountant, is a finance. You know? <laughs> and when companies close, the last person leaves the company is the finance. So the finance always has the leverage for a lot of things. And really, in a startup company, accuracy, you cannot achieve it initially. It's so difficult to foresee you for the next four to five years. Yep. You, you develop some financial models, yes, based on the information you have, based on the market you have, based on the customers you have. But it's so difficult to make this forecast most accurately. It's so difficult. Next to impossible. People are making this, but I don't believe on this. Because, you know, these numbers are just attracting the investor to invest in this company. So they are trying to achieve the bottom line. Believe me, if you will show the profit on the first year, investor will not invest. Good point. You know, they don't want to see the profit. They know they will never achieve profit in first year, even second year. So you have to realistic what investor want to see in this PNL, in this financial and cash flow. So what is the flow of cash flow is much important than the PNL. So they focus on cash flow because investor is not an accountant. They will not understand your language and PNL. You know what is happening in IRS, what is tax and what is depreciation. They are mostly interested in the cash flow. Where this money is going and where it's going. That's it. If you are successfully trying to achieve this target and convince them the cash flow part, which is working capital. So that can be uh, your turning point on this part. So balance sheet is there. I understand, but balance sheet is not understandable for everybody. PNL, yes, they will give you some bottom line, the top line, you know. And every company, you know, they drive not from the bottom line. Every valuation of company is coming from the top line. They don't care about the bottom line first two, three years, but they care about the top line. Top line is most important than the bottom line. No, I agree. Early on, it's all about the growth potential. It's They know they're funding something that's going to lose money. As we always say, cash is king, right? You know, it's so important to understand that. That's great advice and some good points there. Appreciate that. So I'm curious, you know, when you come into a company, I know you've worked at a number of different companies. When you first get in there, what are some of the metrics or some of the things you like to look at? What do you like to analyze? See, I always would like to analyze a pain in first thing, you know, because why, if you ask me as a finance person, balance sheet is much important than PNL, if you ask me. But unfortunately, when you go into any industry, we are not selling balance sheet as a product. Finance is not selling it. We are selling always a PNL because PNL justification is much easier than balance sheet. This is the part we have. So, in my experiences, we always analyze a PNL in terms of sales, your gross property, your expenses. Then you drill down to the branches, you drill down to the suppliers, you drill down to the locations. A lot of things you can do. But always I enjoy the PNL analysis. I would like to have the analysis of balance sheet, but I don't have this audience today. I don't have any customer. You know, I can say a service provider, but I don't have any market where I can see my balance sheet. My entrepreneur doesn't understand the balance sheet. But the way you have to understand the balance sheet is so difficult for them. So PNL is the most important report which entrepreneurs want to see. And they're always excited to see this. So if you go into this detail, you will enjoy it. I enjoy it. Because there are a lot of tools that are available now. You can use Power Query, you can use Power Pivot, you can use Power BI, download data. It's so exciting, you know. It's not about the numbers. It's about the process you are working on. It's really enjoyable. If you have uh, tons of data and you can transform it by a Power Query in a very clean way, you love it. You see some achievement, you did something, you know. You have Excel some attachment with you. You have some emotion with Excel. Excel is working as assistant for you. So you always have emotion for Excel. So I enjoy this process when you have data process, data transformation, analytical things, reportings. I enjoy it. Thank you for sharing that. I, I enjoy that process as well. And I get what you're saying is it's very easier, I should say, to understand the P&L for the founder, for the, you know, the leadership team, often than the balance sheet. But the balance sheet can help you understand some things from a finance perspective that you're not going to get from the P&L alone, right? You can't build a cash flow statement from just a P&L. You need that balance sheet. You need to be able to unwind things. And so there's so much value in seeing 
you know, what's changing time over time, what's building, what's not building from a finance perspective. But I could see the first thing to do is to go in and understand the P&L, right? Starting there makes a lot of sense. So, you know, we're coming up toward the end of our time and we have a few standard questions we like to ask people. And so we'll go with the first one here. And this question has to do with the failure. I like to look at failures as learning experiences. So we like to ask this question. Can you describe a time you had experienced a failure at work? And what did you learn from that failure? Yes, I have a lot of them too, right? We all should. If we're trying, we're going to have them. No, actually, when, my, I, when I was young and I, got, I see the failure, I feel so disappointed, you know, at that time. Because I, I always think my world is going to end, right? So that was the mindset I had in my young age. So sometimes you don't get promotion, your other peers getting promotion, you feel your failure. Sometimes you are not getting good increments, you fail failures, right? Sometimes you are not, you reach to the point where you are about to hire and they reject you. You feel failure. The lot of point comes in your life, you go to examination, CMA, I have not a failure. So what I learned as a conclusion, this failure actually is making you strong for the future role, right? I, I see like this now, but... What I'm meeting with the people in my one-on-one meeting, I'm trying to tell about my failure on them. I have laid off. I have a lot of failures. I have multiple times I did not get any promotion, no increments, no growth. It happened with me. But what I'm learning from my future today, I'm in this position today as a head of finance or finance director because of that failure. Because I don't want to repeat those failures. I have learned a lot. I have very bad stories. And bad story develop the strong people. If you have, you have always good story, you will not become good, strong people, you know. You, if you want to be a strong professional, you should have the bad stories in your life. So don't be worried about bad stories. It happens in your life and it is part of the process. If you go to the ECG of the heart, this is your life. Sometimes it's going up, sometimes down. If this is straight, you're dead, right? True. So I always learn from the ECG where it is going up and down. The problem comes when you are up. Problem is not when you are down. You know, so because next stage is down. So it will, it will happen. Don't be afraid of this. But how we have to manage these failures, this is the point. If you can manage these failures by your experiences, by your knowledge, by your skills, you can succeed for any path of your life. Thank you for that answer. I really like the heart analogy, right? If it's doing this, you're dead and you got a problem. Life is going to be up, up and down. That's how it works. And you need to prepare yourself from that and learn from those down periods, not let them control you. Cause as you mentioned, you know, earlier in your career, and I've had some of those where you freak out, you're like, I'm going to get fired, right? I screwed up. They're going to terminate me. And I've told this story many times. And it's one of my favorite is IBM. I think it was back in the sixties one of the senior leaders made a $10 million mistake and he went into the CEO's office and he goes, you're going to fire me. I should pack my bags, right? He goes, why would I fire you? I just paid for a $10,000 learning experience. Like, I don't want to pay someone else to learn that lesson. You can consider the cost of learning. That's it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Really, you know, failures are within reason, right? They're the cost of learning. Obviously, if you're making big, huge mistakes again and again and not learning, that's a problem. The key is the learning aspect. Exactly. You should be treat yourself as a student all the time. 100% agree. Uh, you know, definitely you feel to be a young, always. Next question we like to ask is a little more personal question. And I always have fun seeing the different responses we get. What is something unique about you that you can share with our audience? Something we wouldn't find online? This is really a, a question that I would like to answer. Because my unique things is I want to be a generous person. You know, I'm always generous. I help people. I offer these kind of services, not now. It's now LinkedIn is there, social media is there. That's why you are much visible now. But I used to be like this. I help people always. And I want people to be educated. I want to help them. Because the only weapon you have for your future is your education. There are a lot of people, they are not understanding the power of education. Sometimes they are doing businesses and they compromise their education. Sometimes because the father is there and you are a student of the father, you become the businessman. So I always focus on the people because I always keep myself updated on the things. 
I see myself as a mobile, you know. If you are Nokia 3310, then it's not there. How you treat yourself, you should be a mobile. Mobile have multiple applications in yourself. It's a time, sometimes you have to delete some application. Sometimes you have to install some new applications. So you have to work yourself like this. It's not only learning, learning, learning new things. It's about re unlearning as well. You have to delete something. There is a time I have a lot of Lotus 1 to 3. DOS, you, you need to delete this application from your life. You cannot carry it for a long time. Now it's new time. So treat yourself as a mobile. Update yourself on time. I keep myself updated. This is a unique thing I can see in myself. And I'm very conscious about this. Anything is coming new, I try to catch it. I don't feel something coming new is not the time. It's always, always a time. I have to keep myself available for this learning. I spare my time. I spare my learning always. And this is the thing I am updating myself all the time. So if you will not update yourself, your mobile will not work up to some time. Sometimes you would push messages. Appreciate that example and unique. I, I like that about always updating you know, yourself. So next one, obviously, you know, Excel. DataRails, big fans of Excel, and Excel is something everybody in finance has used in, in most every role they've been in. Occasionally, some companies might have another tool, but today it's pretty ubiquitous with finance. So what is your favorite thing about Excel? Formula, function, you know, kind of feature? Actually, it has more different features are there on different timings. I cannot say one thing that can give me my whole journey because Excel is now more advanced than before. Oh, here you have Power Query. In the recent time, uh, I love Power Query because it will give me away from a lot of formulas. I don't need to apply if function. I don't need to apply vertical function. I don't need to apply a lot of aging function, you know. So today in time, I can say I can rate Power Query is the most important thing everybody should learn. Everybody. And because Excel always has the limitation, 1.4 million lines are there, but Power Query doesn't have any limitation. You can have 25 million lines. You can manage very easily. You can create different kind of analysis. They, it has actually a BI function. You're recording all these steps one time and just upload the data. It triggers everything automatically. So what else you need? Excel has so power today. So if I will ask people to learn about something from Excel, go directly to Microsoft Query. This is enough for you. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Power Query, so I appreciate that answer. And I have uh, you know, often talked about the importance of people learning it. I think it can save a ton of time. And I wish more people would you know, learn Power Query. So I thank you for that answer. I'm with you. It's one of my favorite things in Excel as well. So let's just say somebody was starting their career tomorrow. So maybe they just graduated. They're getting ready to start. They know they want to start their career in FP&A. What advice would you give them? When you're starting your new career and you find the job, Obviously, you have to understand your technical skills. This is your core area, which is finance and accounting, maybe IFRS. Everything is, you have to touch it. But it's not enough today, you know. When you are going into any company, try to spend some time with understanding of business, core business. How company is making money? Who is your customer? What is the market share you have? So these kind of understanding you have to develop with you. Sometimes you don't have an opportunity. I understand this part. But... Your focus should be there, right? Maybe you will not understand, maybe in one month, two months, maybe you will learn in one year. Give the time, no problem. You are just stuck in your career. People learn these things after 10 years of their career because we are the example. We did not focus on business in my initial experiences, but now today we are experiencing. So I have spent a lot of time not understanding the business. Today we are focusing on this, but you are, as a new generation, you have a lot of inspiration, a lot of examples. Social media is here. Try to connect with the FPNA people. Join the groups. Join the WhatsApp group and be part of it. You know, sometimes you are in the wrong pool. Maybe you have an opportunity in the company where they don't have any vision of FPNA in your company. It happens sometimes in the small companies. But how you can learn these things, you have to be part of that pool. You cannot jump to that pool, but try to connect you on a weekly basis. On a monthly basis, try to join these groups, try to attend the webinar, try to connect with the people, one-on-one -on -one meetings. So be yourself and try to be part of it. So what will happen gradually, your mindset will change automatically. If you are sitting with the people, they go to gym on a daily basis. After three months of time, you will start going gym. This is the mindset which is working. So if you want to make your mindset to the right side, be a friend of the right person. You have to be in the right person. 
if you are not in the wrong if you are not the right person try to be today is a time of social media linkedin whatsapp facebook you can connect anybody any time so if you want to learn business try to learn business try to connect with the people they are in the same business try to connect with the people try to have a meeting with your company try to attend the meeting or take some appointment with your leaders please i want 30 minutes with you that's it try to ask some questions that question will create something in your mind what's going on in the so business understanding is important create soft skills soft skills are very important you have to focus on it if you cannot you don't have these skills try to learn it and practice it because technical skills you can learn from the books you don't need to practice it you can memorize it easily but i don't see anything that you can learn from the books as a soft skill soft skills cannot be learned from the books it is learned from the practice and it will come gradually by the time but don't lose your focus on this thank you for that answer i appreciate that so i really enjoyed our time today appreciate you being on the show last question here if someone wants to learn more about you or get a hold of you what is the best way for them to do that i'm very visible on linkedin i'm very active i am posting a lot of things on linkedin you can connect with me if you go to my page you can find my link you can connect with me in one on one meeting i have my slot available you can just book and then it's very easy you will you receive the message automatically in your inbox i will receive the message and uh, we will connect through the link from the zoom or team link it's uh, multiple links out there so it's so easy to connect with the people if you are sitting in any part of the world so take a benefit on this and not only me there are a lot of people are there paul is here you know so i can see many people are helping people here they are very much answerable very much uh, you can connect with them very easily you can send them answer question they will answer you so it's not the time there is no excuse today for not having this kind of learning yesterday there was a lot of excuses because of social media was not in the market was now because of social media knowledge is there people are here is just need you actually that's it all right well great we'll make sure to put in the show notes how they can connect with you and take advantage of your generous offer there to meet with people one on one and thank you again for being on the show i appreciate you making time for us today and excited for the audience to listen to this so thanks again for joining us said thank you very much paul and uh, thanks a lot for this opportunity that i can express myself through you and uh, i'm looking forward to uh, your more shows and i'm excited for this thank you so much. thank you